once more into the awkward intro. Beep boop. Boobs. Ooh. Boobs. There we go. That's a good way to tell it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gotta the, make it uh, super awkward. Yeah. I mean, you weren't you weren't here last week. So Yeah. Gotta make up for lost time. Son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> But speaking of you not being here last week, that means you didn't give us your thoughts on the director of Cats. First film, or whatever. Uh, <laughs> was that his first film? Uh, I don't know. So, I don't remember. Tom Hooper's? Tom, Tom Hooper. Hooper. Now we're going to look up some info so we can anyway. correct ourselves. Yeah. Uh, uh, the Red King's Dust Speech. and The Damned United. I don't know if those were. Yeah, that was a film. That was a film. Okay. What film? One was a BBC film, so I mean. Oh, it made for two. Okay. So, his uh, is, is uh, Oscar-winning film, The King's Speech. We didn't get your opinions on, so we're gonna go ahead and do some house cleaning and get that done. Yeah, yeah. for sure. So, your thoughts on The King's Speech? I fucking love that movie so much. I yeah. watched that movie. Couple times a year, at least. Couple times a year. Really? Yeah, I really, really, really like that movie. But that's that's dedication. I love Jeffrey Rush, and I think that's really what it is. I, I just love him so much. I he makes Pirates of the Caribbean watchable. Mm. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. I actually sat and watched it with Jaylee too. Ooh, had she seen it before? She had not, even though she had. Oh. So, um. She said she had not. So for her, it was like another first time watching it. To be fair, the first time that she watched it, it was when we were driving to Virginia. And I remember us going up the mountains of West Virginia um, while I was watching it. So and she was kind of listening to it. Um, no, I, I just I love that movie a lot. I really do. It's just fun. Yeah. I. Sure. Yeah, I th- yeah, I think we were like kind of in agreement that Jeffrey Rush was the one of the best parts of it. Um, yeah, yeah, and that him and Colin Firth have a lot of charm and chumminess. But what 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 is it that you think is the most fun, <laughs> or what what warms you? Like, are there any scenes in particular? I mean, if you're if you're leading to the uh, the cursing scene. I mean, that was fun. I enjoyed it. I, I just, I, I don't know if fun's the right word. It's just a movie that I can enjoy every time I watch it. Gotcha. And, and not get bored with it. It's what I like. If I remember correctly, I think Paul was not a fan. It's not that I'm not a fan. I just don't think it's that good. Fair. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I just, I don't know what I like so much about the movie. I really don't. It's kind of like, Oh, what's his name? Uh, Vision. Paul, Paul Bettany. Bettany. Paul Bettany. Anytime I see him in a movie, if it's a bad movie, I'm probably going to enjoy it just because I like his smaller roles as well, too. I still need to see that one movie where he's like an angel or something like that. Oh, Legion. Legion. That's it. <laughs> Even though I've heard so many bad things. <laughs> it's mm. a movie. Yeah. Yeah. So. We can all have our pieces and parts of things that stick out to us. I get yeah. that. And just, I just feel like Jeffrey Rush does that for me with the movies he's in, he, where he just mm-hmm. kind of 
makes them watchable or just that much better where it just instantly becomes either a meh movie to a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. This makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any, anything else you want to point out for about the movie before we move on to questions? No. All right. I just, I really like that movie. Yeah. We All had right, a, then. Christina on that episode and she said, you know, that it was a pretty uh, good comparison to the real speech. Did you ever hear the real speech? Not that you have to. I'm just mm, curious. No, no, I haven't. Okay. No. I, I did a little bit of like, because uh, I know Jaylee was constantly looking up like, because she likes to get ahead of movies. Oh. So mm-hmm. she's always, you know, she's, she's a question asker. <laughs> Leanne is too. So, you know, she's sitting there reading up the history while we're watching. She's like, what's going on with his brother? I'm like, well, we'll find out. You, you know that, like, it's a movie. It, it has parts between the beginning and the end where things are kind of explained. No, I need to know but the history. She, Let me look it up. Looked it up and stuff like that. And, I'm, and, I, and I had done that before where I was just like, wanted to know the actual history because the movie did not feel like it was. I mean, I'm sure the major bullet right. points were right, but the rest of it was just like cliff notes, chuff, like at the very best. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. Groovy. Indeed. Indeed. All right. Well, let's ask you some questions then. Oh, for sure. Is this uh, deserving of best picture? I think it deserves it in the sense of I'm not mad that it won. Of the movies it was up against, I think the social network probably should have won. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I had not seen a lot of the other, like I've seen Inception. I'd seen obviously Toy Story 3. Um, the Superman 4 of Toy Story films. Yes. Uh, and that was actually a lot of these, the movies that were nominated that year were movies that are definitely on a list of things I want to see, except for 127 hours. I have no interest in seeing that fucking movie. It's so good. Sure. Cool. <laughs> Just don't. But yeah, of those, I, I, I think Social Network is probably the strongest of all of them mm-hmm. in good every call. possible way between the soundtrack of give Trent Reznor three keys on a freaking keyboard and he'll make an entire movie out of it. and. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just the tone, the acting. I love that movie so much. But yeah, I, I I'm not mad that King's Beach won. So yeah. yeah, I think it deserves it. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right. Is this the worst best picture of all time? Nope. Not at all. Not where, even close. Do, where do you have it sitting? If I have it at my number fourteen. Damn. Nice. Uh, again, Shiny. most of my list based on uh, how much I rewatch a movie and yeah, twice think, a year. Yeah, I think of all of the movies, the only one I think I've seen I watch as much is probably Lord of the Rings. That makes sense. So, uh, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's currently down at my 67. Okay. I had it at number 40, so it was a little warmer. Okay. But... Oh, in the middle there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I put it uh, just in between Godfather Part 2 and Slumdog Millionaire. Because, like I said, I'll sit and watch those. Interesting company. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. It's a there good we movie. go. I love it. Let's talk about a movie, though. Let's talk about it. 
Hello, all you beautiful people out there in podcast land. My name is Paul Workman. I'm Jonathan Pierce. And I'm Zach McCoy. And we are your Oscar Grouches, and welcome back to the Oscar Podcast, show where we discuss Oscar winners throughout history and try to determine where the Academy went wrong, if they went wrong, and what are we watching, Zach? We are watching The Artist. A silent film star reckons with the changing of his industry, and to borrow a phrase from Paul Workman, a man will literally set fire to his house and try to shoot himself in front of his dog rather than go to therapy. <laughs> uh, all right. Is this everybody's first time seeing The Artist? Yes. No. No, for me, Zach, do you remember the first time you watched The Artist? Yes, I was trying to find the exact date, but, you know, people don't really care, I guess. I saw it when it was in theaters. I went to the Bird Theater in Richmond, oh. Virginia. You got to see this in an actual movie palace. I know. It was. Wow. It was a um, very fancy date. And we spent the day in Carytown. And, um, did they bring out the mighty Wurlitzer? I don't think they did. Oh, uh, what a shame. I know. If, um, if any film deserved it, it was it was this. Yeah. Um, but they did have a, a little orchestra down in the pit, if I recall correctly. Oh, so, nice. Yeah. Um, then Caitlin was uh, a few months uh, pregnant and with our first child. And we went to a little um, children's boutique and bought a couple toys. And, and we both dressed up. And it was, it was a real nice time. Was it that little children's boutique in Carytown? Yeah. Oh, I know exactly which one you're talking about. Awesome. I used to go to the bird all the time for midnight shows when I was at VCU. Yeah, that's the only time I've been. Uh, I saw any, anything else on that story. I don't want to interrupt you. Oh, no. I, I was, was going to ask, really when did you it. see it? Um, I saw this in theaters in Davenport, Iowa at the Showcase 53. Uh, that wasn't 53 screens it was on 53rd street so okay um and uh i ended up bumping into a a friend and castmate of uh midsummer night's dream when i did that show at the screening and i believe her mother was with her because they were old hollywood diehards and sweet they were just the right people to bump into to talk to about that movie afterwards mm-hmm yeah, oh, and uh, yeah, that's what I got. No, no small children's boutiques or anything. Just a multiplex <laughs> in in the middle of Iowa. Beautiful. Well, on the border of Iowa. I say right on edge of Iowa. Yeah, <laughs> I'm in the middle. I, I was able to escape Iowa. I was able to escape Iowa after I watched this movie. <laughs> sure. <laughs> All right, uh, let's get into an Oscar breakdown. It is a silent February twenty sixth, twenty twelve. Uh, uh, I get it. <laughs> we have switched venues. We have the Hollywood and Highland Center Theater in Hollywood, Los Angeles, California. Ooh. Our host for the evening is Billy Crystal, who at one point comes out in horrifying 1010 makeup. Oh, God, that's right. What in the world? Oof. Oh, look it up, Jonathan. It's terrifying. Okay. <laughs> doing it now pause for the reaction oh my (laughs) (laughs) that is that that he looks like um oh that mukbang dude on youtube (laughs) (laughs) like when the today show casted the peanuts uh i don't know oh god 
but there it is. All right. It is a silent evening because our most dominated film on the evening is a movie about silent film called Hugo at 11 nominations. And our most awarded films are a silent film and a film about silent film, (laughs) the artist and Hugo at five apiece. Nice. So the artist wins best picture, giving Thomas Langman an Academy award for producing. And it beats out eight other films. We are at nine. We have somewhat eased the restrict uh, the, uh, the category from having to be 10 every year to being between seven and 10 or between five and 10. I, I don't exactly know what the number is, but seven is the lowest we will go at one point. Fair. Um, all right. So it beats out the descendants extremely loud and incredibly close. The help Hugo midnight in Paris Moneyball, the tree of life, and Warhorse. Uh, Moneyball has a uh, connection to Hampton Roads. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, Billy Bean, the character that Brad Pitt plays in the movie, uh-huh. is shown in the movie to be on the Tidewater Tides, now the Norfolk Tides. Ooh, that's right. During a uh, montage of his career leading to the point where he was. Even Rocky had a montage. Montage. Our best director goes to Michel Hazan, uh, Hazanavicius for the artist. Uh, our best actor goes to Jean Dujardin for the artist. Best actress, for some unknown reason, goes to Meryl Streep and the Iron Lady. Yep. A choice I will never understand. That uh, uh, will be a theme. Yarp. Our best supporting actor goes to Christopher Plummer for Beginners, a choice I do understand because that film is delightful. Sure. Um, Best supporting actress goes to... Wait. Mm, No, okay. Best supporting actress goes to Octavia Spencer for The Help, being out Berenice Bayo for The Artist. Mm. His name, I'm pretty sure I butchered. Well, I was going to say Berenice also, so good job. Thank you. Berenice. When the, when the mood hits your eye like a big pizza bite, that's Berenice. Lovely. Well done. Best original screenplay goes to Alfie Singer for Midnight in Paris, beating out Michelle Hazanavicius for Artist. That's the thing. Best adapted screenplay goes to The Descendants, giving Alexander Payne, Nat Faxon, and The Dean from Community, Jim Rash, <laughs> Academy <laughs> Awards. <laughs> uh, so we should be calling that movie The Dean Descendants. We'll see if it sticks. Yeah. Uh, hashtag Dean Descendants. <laughs> uh, best animated feature goes to Rango. Rango. Giving director of the Pirates of the Caribbean series, Gore Verbinski, an Academy Award. I always get him and Gore Vidal confused. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Best foreign language film goes to A Separation from Iran. That's that's a tough movie. Yeah, and uh, Asghar Farhadi just got in trouble for his latest film that he apparently plagiarized from a student of his. Oh, Oh, shit. We will get to that when we get to it. Mm-hmm. 
our best documentary feature goes to Undefeated. Best documentary short subject goes to Saving Face. Beating out, and I just want to read this title, God is bigger is the bigger Elvis. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. There you go. <laughs> um best live action short film goes to the shore. And according to this, Tuba Atlantic by Halvar Vizzo gets its nomination revoked in the category. Huh. Oh my. Does it have a reason not to make you go searching? Uh, I was going to scroll down here and see if... Tuba there. by the Atlantic? Is that what you... Tuba Atlantic. No. Oh, Tuba Atlantic. Tuba Atlantic. Because the film had been shown on television before its theatrical release. Ah. Oh, really? <laughs> Shitty. Yeah. It was just one guy's television. He was just showing it to his friend. <laughs> Uh, all right. The best animated short film goes to the fantastic flying books of Mr. Morris Lesmore. That sounds fun. It is. It's cute. Uh, best original score goes to the artist giving Ludovic Borche an Academy Award. Uh, and that also brings us to our podcast within a podcast, John Williams Oscar Watch. John Williams loses twice in this category. Ooh. Nominated for the Steven Spielberg double feature of the year, The Adventures of Tintin, not the Billy Crystal one, mm -hmm. uh, and War Horse. <laughs> yeah. That horse is in the war. Indeed he was. Yep. All over that war. Mm. As, long, as well as every British character actor from 2011. Yeah. Best original song goes to Manor Muppet from the Muppets. Yes. <laughs> giving Flight of the Concords Brett McKenzie an Academy Award. Amazing. Indeed amazing. So deserved. We will I will talk about that movie a little bit later. Ooh. Oh, yeah. okay. Um Best Sound Editing goes to Hugo. Best Sound Mixing also goes to Hugo. Best Art Direction goes to Hugo. Yeah. Best Cinematography goes to Hugo, giving Robert Richardson an Academy Award. Mm-hmm. Uh, beating out Guillaume Schiffman for The Artist. Actually, I'm going to go through this, because this category fucking rules. <laughs> sure. Go ahead. Uh, Girl with a Dragon Tattoo, Jeff Krenoweth, is in the category. Uh, Tree of Life, Emmanuel Lubezki is in the category. And Warhorse, Janusz Kaminski. Pretty shit this year. Is that the horse scoffing at? Ah, you beat me to it. <laughs> That's a really good category. Yes, sir. You know, I'm fighting the jokes, and you guys are pulling out these ones. <laughs> Don't fight them. Don't fight them. Fine. I'm pissed that Meryl Streep won Best Actress. Okay. I thought Sarah Jessica Parker should have fucking won. Oh, damn it. <laughs> I didn't know that's where we were going. I completely <sighs> forgot about it. I fought it. You told me to do it. Yeah, no, I stepped in that pile of shit myself. Quamp, quamp. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Best makeup, for some reason, goes to the Iron Lady. 
I really don't think that film should have been nominated for any Academy Awards, if you couldn't tell. Mm. It's terrible. Best costume design goes to the artist. The movie Anonymous is in this category, which is the Shakespeare Robert Emmerich film. Emmerich. Robert Emmerich. Uh, Roland. Roland. Thank you. Wow. I don't know where I pulled Robert from. It sounded wrong as soon as it came out of my mouth. Uh, Roland Emmerich film about Shakespeare not writing his own plays. (laughs) (laughs) That shouldn't be nominated for an Academy Award. All right. Best film editing goes to the girl with the dragon tattoo beating out the artist. Uh, Michael Hazanavicious is nominated for editing. Oh, directed and editing himself, huh? And uh, best visual effects goes to Hugo. Hell yeah. Mm. All right. We have honorary awards going to Dick Smith for his unparalleled mastery of texture, shade, form, and illusion. <laughs> what? Dick with the good form. I don't know. He's a Dick Smith. Okay. <laughs> he knows how to shape it. <laughs> yep. Forms it. Uh, also presents illusions with it. Anybody Imagine remember the, anybody remember the penis puppeteers? I'm sorry, what? Okay, I'm writing it down. <laughs> it's just a just a bunch of dudes who did penis? puppeteering with their penises and made them into animals and stuff. It's really <laughs> fucking weird. Sounds Real like thing, my kind of party. <laughs> All right. So that, that's a good segue thing. to get into James Earl Jones. <laughs> Sorry, James Earl Jones. For his legacy of consistent excellence and uncommon versatility. Our Gene Herschel Humanitarian Award goes to Oprah Winfrey. Sure. And we have a Gordon E. Sorry Award tonight. Douglas Trumbull. American film director, visual effects maestro, and inventor. Pioneered methods in special effects and created scenes in... 2001 A Space Odyssey, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Star Trek The Motion Picture, Blade Runner, and The Tree of Life. Holy shit. Yeah. Mm. I feel like I read about him recently. Yeah. There you go. He did. Um, I normally go into these things a lot more, but I've been having kind of a hard week with the world, and uh, I forgot to do a lot of research yeah, on No, I understand. This week, folks, if we don't have the energy... It's just the world is. We're gonna pick it up here in a minute. It's it's because the world is a vampire sent to drain. Secret destroyers hold you up to the flame. Well, fuck! I love smashing pumpkins so much. <laughs> uh, so Douglas Trumbull, I apologize. You, I I may give you a little more shine next week and do some research into you but for what, now what, you yeah. are a hero to all and you deserve better finds out research he was diddling little kids oh no let's <laughs> <laughs> hope not no. I, I don't see anything about kitty diddling in his wikipedia <laughs> that's that's good all right he was, mar- he was married three times yeah maybe they were just having a good time yeah he just died this year at the age of 79. Oh, that's probably why I saw him. I probably saw his obituary. Yeah, probably probably in the the Oscar ceremony too. He died of mm. mesothelioma. Yeah. 
So, so next week I'll write up a little thing on him because it's quite um, a catalog of uh, work he's done. Yeah, because uh, uh, spoiler alert, we don't have uh, Courtney Sawyer next week, so I can okay. go into Douglas Trumbull a little bit more. There we go. All right, let's talk about this film. Let's talk about this film. Um. I'm gonna be that guy again. In fact, I'm, I'm just gonna straight up say this movie was fucking boring. It relied completely on a fucking gimmick. the The story itself was meh at best. I Look, feel like the acting was amazing because you have to be, but for something that you don't have to fucking be. I understand the homage, but Jesus fucking Christ, Hugo did an homage. Hugo was an homage to film. This movie tried to do kind of the same area, and for me, it fucking failed. It it. I was bored out of my mind. Look, the story of this movie is just a star is born. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Except they don't, they don't date. Yeah. And you know what? I love a star is born. And I think this movie's wonderful. <laughs> I figured you would. <laughs> so, hmm. I've seen this movie. I think this is my fourth time. My first experience was perfect. This is because. A, yeah. Go on, sorry. I, I, not, you know, and now having watched it multiple times, I almost have to compare my experience to Avatar because seeing it in a, what, what's the word? What kind of theater is that? Movie Palace. Movie Palace. You know, dressing up and going out and having the whole experience of it and watching it. It was wonderful. But then, you know, getting home, watching it on a small screen, it does seem like a gimmick. It's like, there's no reason to have to make this movie, so you're you're imitating something that existed before. But I mean, it's done very well. It's, it it's is ex- sure. And if this movie came out in 1927 or whatever the fuck, I bet it been it would have been great then. I bet. But you know, hold this movie up to like Wings, which was the last silent film to win an a, a Academy Award. This doesn't even hold a fucking candle to Wings. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, Wings is mostly spectacle, though. This is a Wings had hooray bubbles. It did have hooray <laughs> bubbles. I'm not taking anything away from Wings. They're saying Wings was a bigger film. It had a lot yeah. more spectacle to it, and this film was more character and story driven. I think it's a. Uh, I really like the leads. They there's like. Like uh, Jonathan said, they're so good because, you know, they have to be there. They are. Everybody yeah. in this movie is, you know, you could say that they're imitating a certain style and I guess they are, but they're really good at it where it doesn't seem forced necessarily. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and, and that's, and I think that does speak a lot to the actors of this film because, yeah. you know, you look back then where it wasn't an option. You didn't know that talkies was a thing. You didn't know like you, all you knew was that the acting was how to emote, how to show it in facial features, body language, things like that. Where you look at them now, they're like, all right, we have to have that mindset of back then. We can't just play this out, but we can't make it look like we're playing it out either. So I feel like they, there was a disadvantage here for everybody who was in this film. It was just still fucking boring. <laughs> I um I can't argue too much with your boring argument because you know there are times I was. Very busy week, and I was watching this movie, and I would nod off just because it's it's <laughs> there's no dialogue to hear. It's a nice uh, 
it's a beautiful score, but it's still mostly, you know, kind of comforting and relaxing, except for at certain points. A lot of good dancing, good choreography, good set design. Oh, I love yeah. a good studio set. Yeah. Yeah. And if you'd give me more of, I don't know, like the like you were saying, the dancing and things like that, I wanted more of that. Like, if you were going to go that route, and I know mm-hmm. it was just that was the movies they were making, but I would have seen more of that, and then it would have enjoyed it. I just, and also take into consideration, whenever I watch a movie, it's not the only thing I'm doing. Mm. So when it comes to a silent film, especially a silent film that has dialogue cards, it has to be because I'm going to miss things. And, you know, I, I can't speak to, cause I, I don't watch really any silent films at all ever. So I don't know how often you do get dialogue cards. Is it usually, was it usually like whenever somebody would speak or is it, well, I mean, I feel like this... I, I would have loved to have a lot more. Although I know that would have taken a lot from the movie as well. Yeah, it. A lot of times with silent films, they you don't get them every time someone speaks. A lot like in this movie, you get them with the important dialogue that's going to move the plot along. Important sure. dialogue like "Hooray Bubbles." Yeah, <laughs> so many other things are you know implied by the big uh, reactions or facial acting or mm-hmm. which brings me to my other problem is is it's forcing me to work while watching a movie (laughs) and you have to understand context when watching a silent film because when you get that they're talking to each other you have to look at the actors you have to be like okay this person's angry this is i have to do the work and kind of fill in the blank to go this is what they are saying and again i just want to when i watch a movie i want to turn my brain off sometimes Unless the movie is made to make me think. And this was not a make you think movie. This was an homage film. So. Hmm. Yeah. I I find it hard, you know, on multiple watches, kind of hard to sympathize with uh, George. His name, George Valentin. Yeah. Um, Were you ever supposed to? I mean. I I think it's one of those things where he's charming. So you're kind of tricked into thinking you're supposed to sympathize with him. But at the same, I don't I think saw necessarily you're supposed day. to agree with him at any point, mm. but you're supposed to recognize that the difficulty of accepting a new way of life is hard for people when they're the biggest thing going. Sure. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, I'm on top of the world, and suddenly the rug gets pulled. Yeah, you know, it's it's not so much singing in the rain where the rug gets pulled, and they're like, "All right, well, let's roll with these with these punches." He's very reticent to, yeah, yeah, to do no. it. But you know, you, you get things like when he makes his own movie, he's very, uh, very uh, allegorically sinking in his own like having himself sink in quicksand yeah to the point that he can't get out of this trap that he's laid for himself and then it just says the end yeah Yeah. so you you know that this is all his doing and while you should have a little sympathy for him you're not supposed to agree with him yeah And and that's fine i just you know looking for redeemable qualities in the character you see him do like one good thing when he tries to fire Zephram Cochran. Like, that's it. Like, outside of that, 
he doesn't make good decisions at all for any reason other than like he made a bad business call and that you can kind of sympathize. And then it just, it happens to fall upon a time where everybody's losing their money. Cool. Sympathize. But he continues to make poor decisions along the way and gets in his own way to where you would think at that point, then when you get the point where he does fire James Cromwell or Cromwell, he's, you know, all right. Oh, is he turning a leaf in some way? Is he realizing that he could be a better person and things might look up? But no, he just continues on with just kind of, again, not being a shitty person for the most part. Very he has egocentric. To be saved but, by the woman. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. And then when he sort of is, he's just like, um, she fucked me over, and even though she really didn't in any way. No, she all. just yeah. she just became Water a star. <laughs> yeah, like it's just. I don't know. Yeah. There was just no characters that I cared about outside of ever just seeing John Goodman be good on screen. God, about so Uggie. good in everything. Right? Uggie the dog. I love him. There was a dog. The he dog was that was the son of the dog from Frasier. Was it really? Yes. Oh my That's gosh. Awesome. <laughs> I I maybe I knew that at one point. Also, the, God, the, the dog, dog from Frasier is the same dog for my dog skip. Oh my goodness. Eddie. Eddie. Eddie Uggy. Best dogs. Um dog. Yeah, there's no there's some uh oh, good dogs, Brent. He <laughs> <laughs> was the best dog in the world. <laughs> there are uh you know some shades of Citizen Kane a little bit sometimes, you know. Mm. Especially when he finds Eyes. <laughs> Sorry, huh? I'm what? gonna let you go. I'm gonna stop interrupting you because I feel like <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm just saying it tried. Oh. <laughs> As, like when he just when he finds his stuff, some of the angles, the the camera shots and just the like the hallways and things kind of reminded me of it. And the whole uh wanting to be or trying to hold on to the grandiose and losing yourself. But anyway, it, it, there's a lot of nods and winks to old Hollywood because that's the, mm-hmm. the point of it. I'm more bothered by how well received it was than I am the actual movie itself. I'm not bothered by that at all. Hmm. I just so what, a gimmick what, that was fine. What what do you feel when you see this movie, Paul? Does it warm your cockles? It does. I just think it's a charming film. There's a pair of charming actors. It's a it's a solid tried and true story that you know it doesn't it doesn't really cover any new ground, but it's done in a fun way. Sure, it's a gimmick, but it's a gimmick I enjoy. There's plenty of gimmick films I think are like highly conceptual that that are just as good as this one. You know, whenever somebody does the, hey, we're going to do a throwback to to uh, old Hollywood serials and we're going to call it Indiana Jones. You know, gimmick films work. They they, they do. I just, I have a good time watching this film. I am a fan of silent film. I, I don't watch as much of it as I used to, but I, you know, I, I got really into it and I love watching anything about old Hollywood. I, there's just a lot of, a lot of, Hey, I love movies mm-hmm. in this. And that's something I enjoy from movies. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I love people who are unafraid to love movies and wear their influences on their sleeve and give them all their, Oh, they're just dues, unlike I did with Douglas Trumbull or uh, <laughs> Gordon Sawyer Award winner this year. It'd be all right. You're coming back to him. Yeah. I just have a good time. I just had a great time. I, and, and I'm happy you did. 
That, that's Me too. I mean, this is not a movie I, I think I'm going to be like, no, that was a bad movie. Because I don't think it's a bad movie. I think it's no. just a, a movie. Like I I would recommend everybody um see this movie at least once. You know, obviously any any movie, but uh try to see it, uh, make a party out of it, you know, dress up, um, have some 1920s, 30s snacks and have a good time. And Get on your long pearl necklaces and flapper dresses. Right. Throw your yeah. stocks out the window. Throw all your cares in the air. But only that stuff. Don't don't do but, all the other stuff in the 20s. That was not good. But mm. I can agree with Zach where, you know, I didn't get to see it in an actual movie palace. I can agree with Zach. This this was a film that played the best in a movie theater when you had all your attention on it and mm-hmm. and it just kind of washed over you and surrounded you. Like this, especially in today's doing other things while we watch movies era. It's, yeah, it's not a movie built for that. Right. And not I hate to be one of those old men. Damn, people watching movies on their phone. But if you if you're looking at your phone while you watch this movie, you're not gonna. It's not gonna work for you. You can't. You have to watch the fucking movie. I tried. <laughs> um, I will say. So I don't know. Again, in my brain, I just kind of try to see what movie could have been that would have been really interesting. It would have been a whole different movie, but when you get to the, the first dream sequence where you actually, he's hearing sounds Mm. and I thought that scene was phenomenal. Phenomenally done. Like so well done that I was like, Oh, is this what this movie is going to be? Because I would have loved to see a movie like this that started off like it did, but evolved throughout the film, but having a character who did not want to evolve. So like he would have remained silent while the rest of the world got sound spoke eventually colorized. Like I, I know that's again, that's a completely different film, but it's something I think that would be that's yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But I feel like that would have been interesting to see instead. Just those couple of sound uh, scenes where it's just like, all right, that first one was like I said, fucking really good. Yeah, um, and then it's taken away from you. Gimmick film I should have brought up instead. What's that? Mel Brooks' silent movie. What a good movie. See, that's a great silent film. What an incredible gimmick film. <laughs> uh, but you know, that one's got a lot more to do with the Marx Brothers while this... See, and that's the other thing, is when it comes to silent film, I think I can sit and watch comedy silent film because the whole point is over-exaggeration. Yeah, and... Yeah, and probably just, why you know, like the Marx Brothers and Chaplin and stuff have lasted the longest from the yeah era. All right. Well, does anybody else have any other notes for this movie? Not really. Again, it's a it's a real short, real simple film. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I will also give it an hour and forty. Well done. <laughs> well, I saw that runtime, and I was like, Jonathan is doing backflips. <laughs> yeah, and just you know, one more shout out to. Uh, the main uh, actor and actress with their facial and mouth and eye acting. Yeah. Berenice Bejo is gorgeous and her mm. eyes leave an impression. It just didn't do it for me. Okay. I, I liked her just fine. What's weird is like, I think she's attractive in this film. She is way more attractive in real life. Not See, that's the, the thing. I felt like they toned okay. her down a lot in this movie. But she looks like a she looks like an yeah. actress of the time, which yeah. is, yeah, the uh, it's wild. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, um, 
now is the time where we discuss are there any films from 2011 that we kind of hope to see in the uh national film registry because these are available to be put into the national film registry as of last year yeah Mm. Um, mm. the Muppets easily. <laughs> I don't disagree on that. There's one that really sticks out to me, and I'll say, uh, "Come listen to us tomorrow." Ooh, I was hoping you were going to say Meek's cutoff. <laughs> Good, but not quite the the one that sticks out. It. The one, the one I would like to see in there the most can't go in there because it's British. Oh, what's that? Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Uh, attack the block. Oh, attack the block. Oh, attack Sorry. the block. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. I. Leanne's so. nodding. <laughs> <laughs> you know, looking at the year, I, I just. I mean, there's movies that I definitely enjoyed that year, but anything that I think is even going to get looked at. Mm. Mm. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I'll save my thoughts till later, but a lot lot of films I like, but not any that like strike me as super important or culturally relevant too much. Yeah. Knowing the, the Congress, they're probably going to put the help in or something. (laughs) Oh, uh, I like to see beginners in there. I think that's real. Ooh, that's a real good one. Mike Mills. Yeah. Yeah. Did a good, great job with that film. All right. We got some uh, Razzies. We do got some Razzies. Yeah. So worst picture goes to Jack and Jill. Mm. Yeah. Beating out Bucky Larson. Uh, New Year's Eve. Ooh. Transformers Dark of the Moon. Should have won maybe. And Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn Part 1. Yeah, Transformers Dark of the Moon should have won. You're, you're not yeah. wrong, but I can at Jeez, least no. sit and, like, I mean, literally turn my brain off. Like, drool and watch Transformers. Jack and Jill, I cannot fucking sit and watch that shit. That is hey, just... Hey, I'm not giving worse picture to the film that gave us the greatest moment in film history. The Dunkachino commercial. Dunkachino. Ah. It's pretty nice. Yeah. R.I.P. that Duncan. Daily Daily Dunkachino. <laughs> uh, let's see. Worst actor goes to Adam Sandler for Jack and Jill and Just Go With It. Beating out Russell Brand in Arthur, which is a movie that should never have existed. Uh, which is not, a, I don't think, a movie that should be nominated. I don't know if it's good or bad. I just don't think it should have existed. It I just don't like should. Russell Brand. I'm not a fan of Russell Brand, but he's really toned down in that movie, and his love interest is the goddess herself, Greta Gerwig. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, Also beating out, come on, really? Nick Cage. Yeah, that's what they do. For Drive Angry, Season of the Witch, and Trespass. Okay, Season of Witch and Trespass are pretty bad. Drive Angry rules, though. (laughs) Uh... See Taylor Lautner and abduction and <laughs> I read the first time I saw abduction, I'm like, that's the born puberty. The born puberty. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, I can't believe that is John Singleton's last film. Oh, that's so depressing. John Singleton. 
the youngest director and the first black director to be nominated for best director went out on abduction. Oh. Yeah. Like, he did some TV that was pretty good after that, but he never did another film before his death. And that makes me so sad. Mm-hmm. Uh, worst actress goes to Adam Sandler in drag. Uh, beating out Martin Lawrence in drag. Uh, uh, what a tired joke. Sarah Palin in The Undefeated. Uh, Sarah Jessica Parker in I Don't Know How She Does It in New Year's Eve in War Horse. Uh, Kristen Stewart in The Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 1. <laughs> I was waiting for it. Worst supporting actor goes to Al Pacino as himself in Jack and Jill. Uh, worst supporting actress goes to David Spade. Um, worst really, there, there weren't any women that you could give uh, Katie Holmes in Jack and Jill. Yeah. <laughs> Which honestly, it really should have gone to uh, Rosie Huntington Whiteley for the girl in Dark of the Moon because she was fucking awful. Awful. <laughs> awful. Uh, worst screen couple goes to Adam Sandler and either Katie Holmes, Al Pacino. Pick one himself. Uh, well, no, it was Adam Sandler with either Katie Holmes or with Al Pacino or with himself. Pick one. Yeah. Uh, worst prequel, remake, ripoff, or sequel goes to Jack and Jill for a ripoff remake of Glenn or Glenda. That joke's not even funny. Yeah. Uh, worst director goes to Dennis Dugan for Jack and Jill. Dugan. Worst screenplay, Jack and Jill. And oh, worst screen ensemble, the entire cast of Jack and Jill. Shocker. That was the Razzies. What a disappointment of year. Jack and Jill went up the hill and collected all their raspberries. <laughs> hey, that's funny. Then all the jokes the Razzies. Hooray! All right. Well, it's time okay. to get into our worsty judgments. <laughs> Zach, hello there. Does this movie deserve Best Picture? I think this is going to be uh, a year where Paul and I are very different on our rankings of these. So let's yes, see. Yes, we are. Maybe not. Maybe not with the bottom, but definitely the top. I have uh, no, probably with the bottom too. Um, I have when when I get to mine, I have something I'm going to do. So go on. okay, cool. So uh, I'll rank. Number eight of the others, I'm going to give it to Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close, which I actually haven't seen the whole thing, so I'm kind of cheating, but I saw a part of it on TV, and I was like, I don't I don't care. Uh, number seven, I'll give to The Help, which at when it came out, I was like, oh, this is a nice movie. But then I learned more about, you know, white savior shit and, you know, the perspective. Just, like, if you flip the perspective one for two and two for one, it could be a much better movie. Mm-hmm. Um Number six, I've got War Horse, which I think struggled uh, to kind of identify the audience. Like, it almost seems like a kid's movie, but then there's some seriously dark moments that, like, okay, this is not a kid's movie. Um, but it's a, it's a good movie. It's beautiful. Uh, and Spielberg, you know, directs the hell out of it. I just, mm, about it. Number five, I've got The Descendants, which I think was a good movie. Um, didn't really strike me too much uh, personally, but I recognize it as a good film. Number four, I have Moneyball, which was awesome. 
number three, I have the Tree of Life, which to me was awesome. That's another one where I went and saw it at the Naro and went and got uh, uh, <laughs> soft serve frozen yogurt afterwards and listened to Bon Iver. <laughs> so that was a whole thing. Um, then number two, I've got Hugo. And number one, I've got Midnight in Paris. I hate to say it, but I love that movie. So, um, The artist, I slot in at number five. So I really, you know, when I saw it that year, it was in my top uh, one or two, I think. I can't remember now. It, it was higher than I have it now. Back then, I, I was happy to see it win. It was exciting. It was a fun um, award show. You know, Uggy was there, and they were doing all the little things. I was like, oh, this is charming. It's wonderful. But now, looking back on it, I don't think it should have won. Um, my favorite movie of the year was Drive, because, but I know that's not the kind of movie that's going to win Best Picture. I'll also shout out Melancholia, which I know Paul hates, but uh, I think uh, Kirsten Dunst probably should have been up. Uh, I don't, was she nominated? No. No, she should have been. No, um, uh, Lars von Trier belongs nowhere near the Oscars. Mm, and well, while that hurt her and didn't deserve to. Yeah. Uh, it was Street, Glenn Close and Albert Knobs, Viola Davis and The Help, Rooney Marr and The Girl, The Dragon Tattoo, and Michelle Williams in My Week with Marilyn. Mm. Take out Meryl, put in Kirsten Dunst, I say. Yeah, take you could take out Glenn Close and Meryl Streep from that category and it it would be way uh, much better, uh, so much stronger. Okay. Yeah. So I'll mention two more things. We need to talk about Kevin was a uh, difficult but good film. And Take Shelter. Yes. Take Shelter. If you haven't seen that, that was the moment I realized Michael Shannon was the man. And you already mentioned Attack the Block, which is amazing. And The Untouchables, the French film that was remade, uh, Dustin Hoffman or something. But The Untouchables was really good. There I go. No, I don't think it deserves best picture sitting here today. We need to talk about Kevin was my number 21 this year. Mm, Right outside the. Oh, yeah. It might have snuck in if I rewatched all these. All right. (laughs) Never heard of it. It's a really weird film. Looks especially. Yeah, it looks especially weird now because it's uh, young Ezra Miller and. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. you know, the last time I saw a really weird Tilda Swinton movie I was not impressed what was that the, the vampire one um, oh only lovers left alive yeah a beautiful film it was a very beautiful film one of the was not a fan this one is essentially a disturbed kid school shooting but he used bow and, bow and arrow John C. Riley is his father yeah oh, shit. Tilda Swinton's his mother yeah that's odd Ezra Miller could take a fucking long walk these days, but they're really good in that movie. Yeah. Sorry, I almost used the wrong pronoun. All right. Maybe I did. I don't know. I'm sorry. No, Kevin is a he character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I almost referred to Ezra Miller in the wrong pronoun, even though they are a piece of shit. Yep. I don't need to be as well. Right. Fair enough. All right. Uh, For me, I, I just don't think this movie does deserve Best Picture. I, I think it, it it relies just on the gimmick itself, and it's a good gimmick, sure. And like Zach got the full fucking experience out of the three of us, and I think that's what the movie was for. Um, you know, I 
there are times where I'm okay with Hollywood masturbating to itself, and this time just wasn't right. Uh, I mean, it's not technically Hollywood masturbating. It was, it's not because it was a French guy. Yeah. So yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, of the of the best picture nominees, uh, I've seen The Descendants. I remember almost nothing about. It. I remember me going, "That's oh, a that's a good movie." Okay, sure. Um, the help I've seen, I, I okay, sure. Uh, Moneyball was fucking phenomenal. That was one that I slept on for way too long. And I feel like Jonah Hill probably should have maybe gotten that one, but that's only because I haven't seen the beginners or beginners rather. He Christopher Plummer's so good in that. It's hard to say Christopher Plummer's ever bad. So that's also true. <laughs> like it's look, yeah. it, it's Christopher Plummer in the age that he was uh, as an old man finding out or finally coming to terms with himself and coming out as gay to his son played by Ewan McGregor. Yep. Sure. He is so fucking good in that movie. Fair enough. Um, that being said, and this is probably because I'm not going to be here for you guys' uh, topic for tomorrow, but Hugo is how you do a fucking homage to Hollywood, to movies, to film, to cinema. That is how that shit is done. Mm. That shit should have won easily. Easily. There you go. Yeah. Uh, anything that I'd take out, uh, again, The Descendants, I, I remember, like I said, nothing of it. I probably would have slotted in 50-50. Um, I felt that was a really good movie that was able to take a super tough topic turn it into a comedy while being serious about it and i felt joseph gordon levitt and seth uh yeah seth green seth rogan 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 not seth green seth rogan that would have been fun with seth green um i felt like they they did really well in that movie um also the muppets should have been fucking nominated that is a perfect film so but again hugo should have won and i just don't think the artist really deserved best picture paul all right here's the thing all right again i just i I had so many plans of watching so many movies when we got to this point that it became daunting to me and now i'm just watching like none of them um so i have my ranking from 2011 i'm gonna give you that and then i'm going to rearrange them for how i think i'd i'd rank them now okay so, we're going to start out with the number eight of the remainders, which is the Tree of Life. I just don't like it. I get what it's trying to say, and I get what it's doing. I just... Jonathan, if you think you were bored by this, there's this movie just has an entire fucking segment with dinosaurs that doesn't fit the rest of the movie. <laughs> I love dinosaurs. I love dinosaurs, too. I'm telling you, this film... <laughs> Made me bored by dinosaurs. Oof. That's how much I don't like it. Fair enough. Uh, number eight, extremely loud and incredibly close. It sucks. It's a terrible film. Don't watch it. Number seven, The Help, also bad. All right, now one of the good movies. All these movies were in my top 20 this year. Uh, War Horse at number six. Moneyball at number five. The Descendants at number four. Uh, number four. I 
reading off. I, I, I guess I've kind of given away that the artist is above these, but we'll get to that. My uh, number two of the remainders is Midnight Paris, a film I really enjoyed. Uh, glad I was able to at least enjoy one more Alvy singer before all that popped off. Uh, and uh, my number one of the year and of these films is Hugo, which I will get into more tomorrow. Hey, our lists weren't that different except for swapping the tree of life around. Yeah. So today I'm putting the help at the bottom. Okay. Even in my, even in my review in 2011, I talked about the genre of gee, aren't white women so good to black people before I knew that it was called the white savior narrative. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so I was picking up on that trope then before I knew that the trope was a trope and it, it's what hurt it in the rankings then. But the more I sit with that film, the less I like it and the further it falls down, even though Octavia Spencer is incredible in it and did deserve the Academy award for it. Mm -hmm. I just wish she would have won that Academy award for a much better film. Right. That it sucks. So that's going at the bottom. I'm keeping Tree of Life and extremely loud, incredibly close to Warhorse where they are. I'm taking Moneyball, and I think I'm putting it at my number three. Not just of the remaining films, but of the films overall. And then I'm slotting the artist into number four. I just Moneyball is one of those films that the again the more I sit with that film, the more I love it, and the more yeah. I understand it, and the the older I get, the more I understand it, and it it's incredible. It's such a good fucking movie. Yeah. Um, and Brad Pitt's perfect in it. Jonah Hill's perfect. Now Gary Oldman for Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy was my pick for best actor this year, and I think he's going to remain there. But Brad Pitt was definitely my number two. Hmm. Very close number two, but he gets his, so I'm not too worried about him. Um, and I'm going to agree with Jonathan. The Muppet should have been nominated. It was my number two film of the year. Nice. It's incredible. It's perfect. It made me very happy. It made me sing songs when I left the theater. I saw it twice in the theater. I own it on Blu-ray. It's one of the films I refuse to get rid of. So even now, it's on Disney Plus. I still have it on Blu-ray. It's incredible. It's a beautiful film, and I love it. Uh, Attack the Block rules. Um, I don't know. I want to keep shouting out too much, but uh, uh, yes, this deserved Best Picture. It's a beautiful film. It's a beautiful love letter to Hollywood. Uh, it's a beautiful love letter to film in general. Uh, the performances are charming and lovely, and it's uh, there's next to nothing wrong with it. It's just a good time. Word. Agreed. All right. Well, Zach, is this the worst best picture? No, it's not the worst best picture. Now I got to look at my rankings because I don't have it ranked. I gave it four stars, which means it's going to be somewhere in the middle. I'm going to put it at Number, <laughs> I'm going to put it at number 44 right behind Wings. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Not the worst best picture. I have it at 54. In okay. Between Crash 
And underneath chariots of fire. Ooh. Ouch. No, this is far from the worst picture. Um, I gave it four and a half. I have it sitting at my number 32. I have it just under West Side Story and right above the Hurt Locker and 15 spots above Wings, since Zach pointed out where his Wings was, and we talked about Wings quite often during the episode. Wingy wing, because Wings is awesome. Birds of a feather. It is very awesome. Because hooray bubbles. Hooray bubbles. I feel like you keep saying it wrong. It's not hooray bubbles. It's hooray. Cray. They even spelled it out. Hooray. Because he was drunk. Hooray bubbles. Cray. Hooray. Hooray bubbles from Michigan. Hooray bubbles. Hooray. (laughs) All right. All right. Okay. Well, I think that is where we are going to end it here. My name is Jonathan Pierce. You can find me on the Twitch, Twitter, and on the TikToks at Altorn underscore Occam. Zach, where can we find you? You can find me on Critiker, Zachmaster, X-A-K-K-M-A-S-T-E-R, TikTok at House Havoc, or Letterboxd by searching my name, Mr. Workman. Uh, you can follow me at Father of the Fear across the platforms of... Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd, where I'm doing a running tally of all the films I watched, and I literally only watched these two films this week. I've been watching a lot of YouTube. Yeah. I watched a lot of Doctor Who. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I did... Oh, you know what? I'll talk... Uh, I watched the Baymax shorts that are on Disney Plus right now. Cute. Baymax exclamation point. And you know, uh, the first, like, three of them made me cry. Oh. I don't know if it's the depression or if they were just that well written, but they were profound and sweet. And uh, the final episode is my Avengers. I have okay. to watch this. Okay. Actually, uh, I showed Big Hero Six to Jaylee this week. It's, he wasn't a fan. Ah, that's horseshit. Ah, she that is. like she didn't hate it. She just it wasn't for her. Okay, that's not right. That is one of the most beautiful expressions uh, about grief and loss and healthcare that uh, has ever been made in cinema. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I didn't watch anything else this week either because the world is on fire, but the boys have been watching a lot of Steven universe and listening to Steven universe songs. And I'm here for it because it's all awesome. Are the crystal gems always fine? Okay. Nice. Yes. All right. And love on the planet earth. That's, that's the one that's with me right now. Have you got to The Working Dead? That's one of my favorite songs from that. I heard that today. Yes. That's a great one. Uh, Cheeseburger backpack. (laughs) Cheeseburger backpack. Cheeseburger backpack. (laughs) Wow. Mm -hmm. All right. It's good stuff. I love that show. It is incredible. I need to finish it. Have your boys gotten into uh, Craig at the Creek yet? Not yet. When they're done with Steven Universe. Craig of the Creek is incredible. Okay. Yes. And the the current I I don't know if they started making new episodes, but the current last episode that was on HBO Max, I sobbed. It okay. was so good. Yeah. But a friend like, of mine's uh got a relation, that's all I'll say, because uh to a storyboard artist, I think. So yeah, oh. I'm definitely gonna check that out. It's it's great. And Jeff Rosenstock does all the music for it. Uh-huh. God. So there's a lot of ska, I take it. Or is he ska-influenced? 
he yeah, didn't yeah. have to do only ska. But. Uh, yeah, I mean he's he's more uh, he's more in like a folk punk vein, but nice. there there is a there is ska in it. Excellent. All right, Zach, what are we watching next week? Next week we are watching Argo. I am so excited. Ar, go fuck yourself. <laughs> well, wow. I, yeah. it's, a line, it's a line from the movie. It is a line from the movie. I almost <laughs> said it, but then I didn't. So I'm glad well, I, I said it. it. There you go. Good job. Which you can rent on Amazon, Google, Vudu, YouTube, or stream on Netflix. If anybody still has Netflix. I do for now. I do too. <laughs> I do, but I get it for free through T-Mobile. Well, there you go. All right. Well, then, we would like to thank Trav from our sister podcast, Leveling Up Benjamin Banks, for producing our show. We would like to thank Chad Ramsey for our most excellent theme song. We'd like to thank Megan and Jay Bellevue for our beautiful artwork. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Oscar Pod and on Facebook at <laughs> the Oscar <Risty> Pod. <laughs> How am I supposed to continue with that? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I lean away from the mic. You can't hear me breathe. You can keep it in. I want you to scare everybody. Yeah, scare no, me. Trav, you know what to do. <laughs> Brother, you, you could have left your house and gone to fucking Hampton and we still would have heard that. I put it in my <laughs> elbow and everything. Uh, uh, and on Facebook at the Oscar Risty Podcast. So subscribe to the podcast and leave us a nice five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. It really helps us to be seen in the all mighty algorithm. Five stars with pleasure. For Jonathan and Zach, and oh my god, the plethora of character actors in this film. We'll stick with uh, Joel Murray. We would like for you all to have a damn fine day. <laughs>